Hey y'all, so this is part two of a two-parter. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back to the previous episode and do so now. And if you have, then jump in and enjoy this one. The other thing with this thing is the he's been in therapy since he's 12. So it's like you want to say you should go to therapy. But the problem is the therapist is probably a drug addict. The, the, the therapist is just a giant syringe of cocaine. You, you ever see those uh, cartoons when the person's hungry and they get so hungry, they look at another person, the person <laughs> like a, a turkey drumstick or something like I'm sure I'm sh- I read that his therapist was black. He probably just saw his therapist and his therapist just turned into a giant like, you know, syringe as he looked at him. But, like, you know what I mean? That's interesting that a people want to think that typically that a black person will go to a therapist at that young of an age, you know, or something like that. Well, well, he went to like white spaces and stuff, and to go into those white spaces, he must have had a mother who yes. must he bought have, into that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So she probably. So he said that like the um because that's probably a lot of a lot of us. All we think about is getting our kids away from black people. We don't even think about what we're delivering them into yes. because we're just so happy that, you know, I, I, I give you an example. There's a guy who lives in my block. He's a black guy. He's a successful guy and everything. But he has like these kids and he was talking about how, um, you know, his son wasn't behaving. He's a son in a nice private boarding school. And he was like, uh, he was threatening his son by saying, you know, if you don't get your grades right, I'm going to send you to the public schools with uh, Pookie and Ray Ray and whatever. And I'm like, he was telling me a story. I'm like, wait, you're using the presence of black people as a punishment to your <laughs> kid. Like, you realize how fucked up that is? Like, but the funny thing is this person considers themselves like, you know, pretty woke. You know, they talk about, they complain to me about gentrification and all these other things. And, you know, this person grew up in black spaces. This person grew up in Brooklyn. Like, you know, but they got successful and all they keep thinking about is, um, you know, getting the kid into a white space. And his mother could have been the same way. I don't want to psychoanalyze. I don't yes. know his mother. But, you know, if his mother's putting him in all these schools to the point where this guy is getting this major identi- identity crisis and stuff. And then what he said was that the administrators or the people at the school uh, in the interview, he said that the people at the school told his mother, you know, he should be in therapy. So he kind of went into therapy at the white handler's uh, behest. And I'm sure she was probably like, hey, the white folks are saying it's got to be right. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be right. But also, what kind of therapist are you going to send her to? You know, um, and also if they don't see themselves or their space as the problem, um, for example, uh, France Fanon, right? Um Where's my French phenomenon from? He's from the French West Indies. He's from Martinique. Martinique. Martin. Yeah, yeah. He's from Martinique. And he was a therapist, a psychologist, psychiatrist. I forget exactly what, but he uh, did therapy. And as a revolutionary, he had to stop doing um, therapy because he was seeing non-white people. And his job, he went to therapy, was uh, the metrics of success was if you can get the person who was having the trouble fitting into society or being at peace to be at peace with society or uh, fit in. So his job would be to take these um, non-white people who are suffering from racism and colonialism and imperialism and exploitation, and his job was to get them to a place where they could um, function in, in society and that would make them quote unquote um, healthy. And then he came to the conclusion, no, they are healthy. It's society that's sick. What they're actually going through is a healthy reaction to a sick society. And the only way I can get them to 
be functional in the sick society is actually to make them sick. What you're actually trying to do is train me to make them sick. But because you, the therapist, my bosses, the program, the educational system, because you yourself are part of the sickness or are sick. You can't see it that way. You see it as healthiness. And so he had to end up, um, he felt good conscious. He couldn't do um, therapy anymore, but uh, he couldn't do that. He was doing a disservice to uh, colonize people. But I'm sure none of the people that this guy is being sent to thought like that at all. Of course not. You know? But I can't say, of course not, I don't know. But if this, if, if, if the yeah, work, if the work is any proof, then no. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. And I think, I think that kind of explains his coping mechanism, like his, his whole coping mechanism seems to be a way to navigate and thrive in this fucked up world rather than say, maybe this fucked up world should change. You know, maybe we should find a different milieu, a different space, an all black space. That's not even an option. I just rather keep plowing into this m- misery and just, you know, keep, um, because he's obviously not being satisfied. Like this whole thing is about people who are with white people for a certain reason, because he's going to feel something that's lost in them or missing in them. And the white people aren't behaving in real life like the ideal white people that they create in their head. And they're trying to get these white people, you know, similar to how Masoch or Masoch was trying to get the women to be uh, the perfect master. That's what these people are trying to uh, do, except it's not as self-aware as anything that we've said today. Like, <laughs> I feel like we could have written a much better second act based on the insights that we've, that we've said um, today in this speech. Then, you know, because I don't think he really has. It's weird. He knows himself a lot, but he doesn't know himself at all at the same time. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't know how to explain it. What I think was actually more disturbing is that he's he somehow turned black people into the sexual deviants and white people into the the more milk toast regular people. Whereas in a lot of depictions of slavery or even in interactions between blacks and whites in, in, in the sexual realm, coming from black people anyway, it's particularly in regards to the, the slavery the slavery era, white people, white men in particular, even white women obviously, were seen as the deviants, the rapists. But now he's he's seen to, to pull give give us a six for a nine and okay now yeah. the, the the black people are the deviants and the white people are reluctant to engage in, in this behavior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the most excited about it was probably the white lady, but even then it was like still kind of like harmless, and she was just like discovering her kink, you know. And um, the black guy was just kind of going along with it, but there was no type of real feeling of like you know. I'm turning out this black person or I'm introducing calculatedly, um, yes, you yes. know, sexual exploitation into, um, this, this black person's, um, life. It was, it was very, it was just really bizarre. If you, if you get Gary as well. He, he's the one that's, that's, that's poking and prodding his partner into engaging into those, uh, sexual acts and, 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 and that, that form of role playing. Yeah, and it, it was really bizarre. And, and, and like we said before, it's hard to explain, but there was so much gratuitous, unnecessary sex. It, it, it was like trying to say, and, and that's and that's the thing. And a lot of us on Twitter, when we were engaging with these white people who were trying to browbeat us into not disliking the show, they kept saying to us, uh, you know, it taught us so much. And then a lot of us kept saying to people, that's what we said. We said, listen, tell us an insight you got that you needed the sex scenes to get that insight. Like, you know, what did the gratuitous sex scenes 
teach you and they could never answer it you know and then they could answer they could answer this? they just probably didn't want to admit that they got off on it that's what they what it was see yeah, that's that's what it, that's what it basically is but, but no but even got off isn't teaching got off is what you know you know for example i can get off on porn but i'm not gonna pretend it taught me anything like you know like they specifically said it taught them something like you know like we knew it got them off but you know but they were claiming that it taught them something as you know to be better uh, human beings than white people. We're like, hey, what did you learn? And then some of the things they said, right? This is the ironic thing of some of the things they said. They said, you know, we, we learned as white people that we have to listen to, um, you know, black people and that sometimes we don't get things and it's not um, our place and it's, and you know, we have to be better allies and whatever. And I think that's honestly a fair um, assessment of the second part supposed lesson i still think it had nothing to do with the <laughs> gratuitous sex in the first and third act and in fact i think you could have gotten that across just as well with just a play that took place in the second act like you know you didn't even need the first act to get that across that's the first thing but the second thing is ironically everything you said that you learned from that from the play which you really didn't learn from the sex you learned it from the second act you're not practicing it because you're just sitting here on twitter arguing with black people gaslighting them and invalidating like like when i was watching the play i was thinking to myself holy shit this whole thing is about listening to black people and listening to them talk about racism whatever yet every white person i've seen who's seen and like this play has been gaslighting invalidating lecturing haranguing and hectoring any black people any black person who wasn't on board and basically white splaining the shit out of it to them so you didn't even learn what you said you learned because you're not showing any evidence of it like you only agree with black people who tell you what you want to hear so you're no different than the white people in this movie in this play you're the same so like shut the fuck up like what are you what are you <laughs> even saying like you, you you lack so much self-awareness and because you assume that you're so automatically intellectually and emotionally more evolved than a black person you just can't even imagine that a black person who disagrees with you might actually have figured it out better than you you only can listen to black people who reflect yourself back at you because you know you molded them yeah yeah they, I, I also feel that they just don't want to be feel indicted they don't want to feel that they've, they've done anything wrong. Or they want to feel indicted on their own terms. Yes. Like, like, like this Simple is the script. Stuff. Yeah, this is the script yeah. on what I want you to lecture me on. And if you deviate off this script, then you're going to be in trouble. It's that same Venus and first thing. Like, you know, I'm training you to be the perfect haranguer of me. Like, you know, they train us to dominate them and, you know, we train them to dominate us. And it's this kind of fucked the BDSM thing. I'm sorry, go, but go on. I, I thought it was also interesting that the white male gym was was the only person that was fully naked as well oh yeah there was a lot of full front full frontals of the white guy i mean his penis was um <laughs> very very oh, prominent man. in the production like you know they and i feel like i feel like this play was really for black queer people and and black women who like to swirl and i don't really think it was really intended in mind with straight black men at all to the point yes. that there's yeah, literally there's literally no straight black man in it. Like there's actually no straight black man the, in it. The one straight black man in it was getting penetrated anally. Yeah, by the but sl- he was biracial. He was biracial and didn't identify as yeah. black. They made a big deal to make sure that they yeah, kept pointing out he was yes. racially ambiguous. So he's a half black man. Yeah. Which is kind of like what these people's society is. They want Trevor Noah's. They want Obama's. That's the kind of straight black man that they can. They want two types. They want two types of straight 
black man. They want a straight black man who is neutered and castrated. Like what he will be is like the guard of the harem. Like in um in um Muslim societies, uh in the old Arab times, they used to have eunuchs. He'd be this big burly black guy. A big muscular strapping black guy, but they would cut his balls off and he would be there to guard the harem. So he'd be this big burly like bouncer that you could leave around all the women yeah, because it was new your women yeah he's new he can't do anything so all those muscles are, are just there to do nothing but protect your property and you know be a guard dog for for you and for uh the woman and you get that today with uh the rock and uh terry cruz like terry cruz his whole thing is oh i'm a big uh muscular guy but i'm a teddy bear look at me you know and 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 the rock too i noticed the rock he never has a love scene and he's always doing some shit where he's he's acts acts tough but then you find out he's just a big sweetheart under with a heart of gold like you know what i mean like you never see like the rock like just be like a marlon brando or james bond just like slaying ass and you know left and right like you know i never seen even with one love scene much less be sexual sexually smoldering and he's supposed to be like a white guy's ideal like you know black best friend like you know you're gonna make me cool by association i'm gonna get some swag with you but you're not gonna fuck any of the bitches because then you're gonna be like uh competition and yeah so this this guy the straight black guy here i feel like it was, it was a combination of all of that uh he was biracial and you know racially ambiguous like a trevor noah or an obama but also jockey but self-neutering kind of like a rock or terry cruz and he was also impotent as well, wasn't he? Yep, he was he was impotent and he got penetrated yes. by the white woman. So the white guy's slave play is, you know, being the master or, you know, overseer and having sex straight, van- vanilla, dick dick and vagina, heterosexual sex with this beautiful black woman. And the straight black guy or racially ambiguous guy's slave play is getting uh being impotent, getting penetrated by the white woman, you know? And then uh and the only full black guy, like, you know, like 100% black was the black gay guy. And I feel like that's kind of like a lot of these people's ideal world. Like, you know, no straight black men except for, you know, black men who are emasculated or, you know, ambiguously black and kind of impotent and on the sidelines. But then you get, and, you know what, though? I think a lot of that, I think some of that, some of that is coming from people dealing with their trauma. And the only way that they can really deal with their trauma is to try to do the best they can to remove whatever they see as the source of that trauma. And because a lot of them either grew up in with white people and they've been taught to fear black people or they may have grown up in black neighborhoods and they may have been dealt some trauma from black men. They feel like that's a threat and they have to remove that. What they don't understand is them doing that helps perpetuate white supremacy because they're on the same page as the white supremacists to remove the black man out of society as much as possible. And, and I think what happens, too, is the trauma, because it's like, OK, if somebody is in a room up high and they can see you from up high and they have you in this room and the room is mic'd and the room is has cameras in it and they're watching you and they're just releasing they're making they're starving these rottweilers and they're training the rottweilers to be vicious like you know like the way dog fighters are they're like you know dangling meat in front of rot, rottweilers and like showing the rottweilers pictures of you and you know electroshocking it and you know training it to just like you know hate you and whatever and then they're just sending rottweilers into the room while you're um, in there and having the rottweilers like bite you and chase you and whatever like your trauma is going to be 
related to the Rottweilers. But none of your trauma is really going to be associated with the guy in the control tower who's training these Rottweilers or conditioning them, you know, to um, do that, who's got you in this room, who, who put you in that room in the first place and won't let you out, you know, who's, who's made sure that you and the Rottweiler can never have a functional relationship or get along you know what i mean and i think it's the problem with a lot of these people like uh, white society makes black men into monstrosities by design and then well first of all it makes it makes black, all black people this, into monstrosities yeah, the society yeah it's dysfunctional so you start fighting each other yeah and it takes it takes your eye off the the, the, the real pro- problems and the culprits yeah yeah exactly it makes it, it makes all black people monstrosities but it only allows the black men to be labeled monstrosities because really they're more afraid of the black men. Yeah. Right. But that's, that's the, that's the even dirtier secret. It's, it makes both the person in the room and the dog sent in the monstrosity, but it then only tells the person in the room that, you know, the dog is a monstrosity and then they'll come in afterwards, you know, they'll come down from that room and, and <laughs> offer you the bandaid. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, Oh, I saw that dog bit you. Isn't that dog a, a monster? He's a bandaid and he's a cookie. You know, and I think it's a problem. I think you're right that these people view black men as their trauma. And in an approximate way, it's probably true. A lot of these people, their main trauma is, you know, a black man. But honestly, how many of those monstrous black men main trauma was a black woman? You know, uh, a lot of um, like, like, look at R. Kelly, for example, that whole R. Kelly thing. Uh, what a lot of people overlooked was how he and his uh, brothers were like raped by their sisters for like the whole adolescent lives and that grown man R. Kelly's brother was breaking down crying about it you know what I'm saying it's like both of us are made into monstrosities but you know what's the narrative after the documentary is over what a monstrosity R. R. Kelly is what a monstrosity black men are you know but what you I'm know saying? what though the thing of that is people don't really look at human black people as full human beings with you know full but a full spectrum of emotion. Anything that happens to us, any trauma that happens to us, is always turned around for it to be our fault. And even if not true enough, there are some people like you have somebody like an R. Kelly who has victimized other people, but nobody wants to delve into the fact that this was the person who was victimized also. And you know trauma begets trauma. We don't like to talk about that. It always stops when it comes to black men. It's like we're always the source of trauma. We're never the victim of it. Yeah inherently dysfunctional and so, so so this thing has four couples and i think this four couples are the gatekeeper black the blavity black the um what i start calling compound blacks like a compound black is a person who's black and something else and they make a big deal about showing it for example it's like i'm black and immigrant i'm black and i'm black and gay i'm black and liberal i'm black and democrat i'm black and republican uh and I'll say even Hotep's kind of like I'm black in MRA, I'm black in conservative. And I think now even um, some people are making ADOS that like, you know, like um, de- I'm black in ADOS. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. 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 Where it's like um, it's a way to kind of separate yourself from like um, the being just black because black is kind of becoming like a losing team and you want to get with the, with the winning team and i feel like for the intersectional compound blacks like um this is like the dream world you know impotent uh diluted straight black man like, like racially diluted and diluted masculinity uh straight black man who's just kind of like a sideline useless character and he's dumb the guy was very dumb a full black gay black man a black lesbian woman and black woman. And all of them are with white partners. And the fully 100% black straight man doesn't even get that. Like, like he doesn't even get to be, um, not saying that I think this is a big prize, but apparently to them, they think a white partner is a big crap, big prize. The straight black man doesn't even get 
to get like a white partner or be involved in it. He's just erased, which is ironic because they're always claiming that uh, straight black men erase them, which I think is a lot of projection. I think they actually erase straight black men a lot. So I find it very interesting because I feel like if it was reversed, I remember even with Ta-Nehisi Coates thing, which is about a memoir to his son, a lot of these blavity black women were complaining. Why aren't there any women in there? Yeah, why aren't there any women in there? I'm like, wait, it's, it's a father it's to his son. son. He's like, oh, he erased women. <laughs> yeah, and meanwhile, this is something that could easily have a uh, straight 100% black man in it, and they didn't have it, and it's fine. Like, like there's nothing wrong with... Um, it's not even an afterthought. They didn't, yeah. They make no mention of the, of the, the straight black male's absence. Yeah, yeah, they make they make no mention of it. I mean, this guy doesn't even think he's he's black. The black guy that they have there, he's that racially ambiguous, you know. And um, this is what I would like to do. I would like to just read an example of a passage that's supposed to be enlightening, right? <laughs> and um, that's supposed to give you some kind of insight into why this woman's so miserable and has such a hard on for getting her um, white husband to racially debase her. Right. Uh, so, so this is the final scene, right? Because uh, listen, how sick this is, right? And this is this is my theory about um this thing, right? Um, I think because it's straight black men, this is because it doesn't involve straight black men. There's no straight black men really involved in the creation. The creator, the the creator is a gay black guy. The director is a gay black guy. There's no straight black male actors in it. I feel like vagina is kind of an afterthought, especially white vagina, because, you know, no one in the creation of it is really fixated on it. You know, it's um, it's white penis is the focus of this thing. Right. Between the black women who are expected to be in the audience, the black woman on the stage, the gay guy who directed it, the gay guy who wrote it, the gay guy who starred in it. Everything is kind of focused on the white penis as, you know, a great prize. And there's actually a passage where they even describe how she was afraid of what his white penis was going to look like and it ended up being great. You know? And, and, they, and, and like Jay said, there's a prominent depiction. Like, there's a lot of his penis in the play. Like, you know, and they have multiple mirrors so you can see it from every angle. Like, you know what I mean? This is like, uh, the eye candy is meant to be like the white penis, not not the white woman. Um, Like, no offense to the white woman, but she wasn't particularly um attractive. Is that fair to... No comment. Okay, yeah, yeah. She, she was, she, yeah, yeah, she was like, you know, yeah, and and um, what this is what I felt that the guy did. And tell me what you think, Jay. Okay. I think, and in this way, I think it's actually kind of not nice to black women. But because so many of these intersectionals are so into black men are trash, it wouldn't even occur to them, to a lot of them, that this thing was shit on them because from a black gay guy who's supposed to be like their ally. But I thought it made black women look really I bad. Was, did, black I, women, I believe I mentioned that to you after the play as well. It made black women look really bad. And I'm like, and but but this is my theory. I don't think the black woman was there to be a black woman. I think the black woman was there. This is what I think mm. his thing was. The good parts of white penis fixation, he put in the mouths, the good or sympathetic parts of black penis fixation, he put in the mouth of the black gay character. Like that was like his proxy, mm. right? But the embarrassing or debased parts of white penis fixation, he forced onto the black woman to the black woman to say but really both those characters were him and then the black the 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 semi ambiguously black straight guy was just kind of there with the white woman both to be kind of jokes yes you know because um those are the two things that that crowd hates that's why that crowd always circulates that fake angela davis quote about uh straight oh, black men God. and white women are the weakest links so they're the weakest links they're the least interesting the stupidest most clueless comedic couple like they're just there for comedic value if you think about it the the gay black guy 
with his white partner and the straight black woman with her white partner aren't really comedic, you know, in the therapy session. The, um... Most of the comedy... Most yeah. of the, the quote-unquote comedic re- relief is coming from Philip and Alana and yeah. Philip being the the biracial uh, black person. Yeah, yeah, and and the other one and the other one being the the clueless um white <laughs> white person quote-unquote clueless. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and um so like yeah the the the, the so I the gay black guy had some kind of like pride to himself, but the yes. the black, black woman, woman was she was eating the the the, the cantaloupe or watermelon off the ground. And yeah, she 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 I, she's eating cantaloupe off the ground, yeah. and it was it was and and she's asking to be raped. But but listen to her opens she's about to leave him she's packing her bag because he won't act out the rape and call her slurs like she's just gonna leave the leave the leave the marriage oh, over this like he doesn't beat her he doesn't treat her bad he doesn't do anything the sole reason she's gonna leave him is because you know he won't treat her like a nigger whore that's 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 the thing and i think at some level he's like you know what i'm gonna let black women fall on the sword with this one even though this is really me i'm talking yeah, it about was really this is my shade i agree with that part it made black women look really really bad man. but what's wild about that is that so many so many um black women in that blabbly black circle are so obsessed with representation that it doesn't really matter how they're portrayed as long as that's they're true. there and they're so into ending is not straight black men so it's like you know like maybe if a straight black man man wrote that scene maybe they'd see it because the gay black man they're like um they're, they're hyper vigilant for any uh, misdeeds done by uh or perceived misdeeds done by black men yeah yeah shoot even if a straight black man wrote something like i mean look glowing it's like you don't own us who, who are you to <laughs> image a, a black woman could have written that you know like like oh, and again i want to be clear what we're, what we're talking about is not normal regular black women we're talking about a particular uh, subsection okay. sub subsection you know like uh i don't want you to think that we're painting all black women with this brush this is this specific crowd because one of the biggest some of the biggest detractors of this thing have been uh black women like in the first two major detractors i saw were uh, black women so it's not like all black women like this this is a certain crowd and there was a black woman that went to the play that yeah. was deeply disturbed by what she saw yeah yeah let's say that for the end because i think that's um a pretty good uh place to end it because that was after the play but let me just read this this passage right this is the scene where she's packing right so okay jim can can i come in kanisha do what you want to do jim walks in he looks from the backs to her he sees the chair next to the bed he sits silently they are here for a while kanisha sits up and looks at him what do you want? Jim. And then Jim says, I think I've said all I can say today. I just want to listen. I'm going to sit here and listen. Whether you're speaking or not, I'm going to listen. And by the way, um, guys, feel free to interject at any point. You don't have to let me read the whole thing. Jump in at anything that grabs you, whatever, and I'll stop reading. You know, you want to crack jokes, you want to do whatever. You don't have to just sit here and just uh, let me read because even, even me, myself, I'm going to be taking breaks to point out things. So yeah, yes. feel free. So like, you know, right here is that same ally shit like you know it's like um oh i realize my job is um you know to listen you know as a white person while and he's the, sitting on the edge of the bed all innocently and kind of yeah and kind of, yeah and 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 it's like okay why and and the funny thing is just like in real life with these people when it, when he does listen the black person does talk nothing of use is being, <laughs> being said <laughs> you know i would rather hear what he had to say uh after he see it right but anyway kanisha doesn't talk Jim doesn't talk. They're quiet. Kanisha gets up from the bed and begins to pack. And then 
Um, Jim says, wasn't that what all this was about? Us learning to listen to each other better? And Kanisha says, no, no, it wasn't. It was about you listening to me, listening to me and my body and what I need, what it needs. That's what this is about. Not quote unquote, listening to each other. Always feels like it's just listening to you with asides from me. Uh, Jim, that's not fair. Kanisha, like that, I'm tired of you dictating what is and isn't fair. Can't you just take my word on it being fair to me? Can't you just listen before defending, before you start telling me, telling me why my feelings are not fair to you? And what I found interesting about that was what she described, you know, listen to what she says. I'm tired of you dictating what is and isn't fair. Can't you just take my word on it being unfair to me? Can't you just listen before defending, before you start telling me why my feelings are not fair to you? That totally reminded me of the white people talking to black people who weren't fans of this play. Like, you know, the perfect example of how the supposed lessons of this play, none of it internalized. And even the Blavity Blacks, like they dictated to the black people who said that this play looked exploitative. You know, they told them that, you know, it wasn't. They told them what it wasn't, wasn't fair. They couldn't just take the word and it be being unfair to them. They couldn't just listen before defending and they couldn't wait to start telling them why their feelings about the play were unfair. So I just find that kind of ironic. That kind of reminds me of the way conversations and quote unquote debates go on like social media because people never come at you with facts. They always come with their emotion. And if you give them facts, they disregard it. Yeah. And how people always think that they're above that. Like, you know, like, like that passage I thought was so ironic because, you know, none of these people took that lesson out of the play when dealing with uh, black people who didn't uh, like this play. And then um, let me just, so she goes, I meant it when I said it, you're a virus. I've been trying for God for the last three years to figure out what this feeling brewing within me, this sort of fog that's been blurring your face, three years. revealing you for a moment before obscuring you for three years. I've sat wondering what it was and it was the virus, your virus. You aggravate my, my OCD. I know that. I knew that before they even, they didn't even have to tell me. I wonder when I contracted it, the virus. I, I remember how you looked at me that night at the bar when we first met, how it felt when I first tasted your eyes on me because your eyes had a taste. Maybe that was the virus. Your eyes tasted dry but rich, like my favorite Chardonnay. Man, you gotta uh, stop. This is getting cornier than the more you read it. I forgot about this part. <laughs> it's, it's getting terrible, right? It's, like, right? it's horrible. This is like 50 Shades of Grey, bad. But, but, but so far, have you gotten an insight out of anything so far? But, 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 that was gibberish, fam. <laughs> it's gibberish, man. Oh, wait, she... It seems like she's indicting him as being critical of him, but you want him to treat you like a a, a, a slave whore. Like, I, that doesn't make any type of sense in any universe, any parallel universe. And she's and, she's so nasty and irrational. Yeah. So are the people who are fans like, of it. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel any sympathy or connection with her at all? Like, I don't know. Are we supposed to empathize with her? She just it just berating. Like, I was feeling sorry for the white guy. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, that's, that, that was done by the design. Yeah, it was very yeah, weird. That was his words like, on the page, you know? man. But no, nah, as far as the character. Yeah, she needs therapy too. The character. <laughs> Yeah, more than yeah. she got in the play. Yeah, I, I, I was going to read a little more. Like, uh, do you remember how that was my nickname for you back then, Kongsguard? It, yeah, that's why. Did I ever? I never told you that, did I? I, yeah, maybe that's where I first contracted the virus. Your virus, as I tasted your eyes, devouring my smile from across that bar and orchard. Bef but it was probably when you opened your mouth because, and this keeps going on like that. I'm like, okay, why does she want to be called a nigga whore? Just, just tell me that. I, I don't get it. Like, what is the real problem with this? I, yeah. It, it, like where is the insight that you, you tell me I'm gonna get from this shit? Like it's it's just no, there's no backstory in any of this stuff. 
Oh, oh no, no, but he, let me jump to the backstory, right? It's useless. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. here's the supposed backstory. And this is the part where I was like, okay, now I'm finally going to get some kind of psychological picture as to why she is the way she is. So he goes, you know, I used to take field trips to plantations. And again, you can interrupt at any time. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Now we're going to find out what kind of trauma that happened in the plantation. We never came to the McGregor plantation, but every child who grows up in Virginia, they get a plantation tour. Now, remember, he grew up in Virginia, so I feel like this is probably a story from him. Um, the playwright that is three, four, five. They're fun, ain't they fun, Kanisha? I remember they said that to me when I was little. The only black girl, and I would wear the same uniform to every plantation field trip. Again, a, a detail that has no purpose, right? My mama would put these little pink and blue ribbons in my hair. Again, ultimately pointless. On my pigtail cornrows. And I'd wear this white dress and she'd say, you wear this with your head held high because you want to look proud for your elders. You want them seeing you walking through the devil's house, unafraid of the demons that live in the walls. You wear this with your head held high and they'll come out and hold your hand as so none of the greasy haired, wild eyed children of them demons will come pawing at you in front of them. Don't let yourself be disgraced in front of the elders. They've already suffered enough. And when I'd walk through, whenever we were there, I'd always feel a little tingle in the back of my neck, that bit of electricity, telling me they wanted to hold my hand. I'm guessing they is the, is the elders and protect me from the demons in the walls and in the ground. And I'm guessing the demons are supposed to be white people. And because I would walk with two hands out smiling, and looking up at the elders, nobody else could see the wild-eyed, greasy-haired children of the demons who were also on the class trip with me stayed aw- and stayed away. So I never had these formative moments of making out between the lynching tree or being fingered behind the cotton gin like the other girls did in 6th and 7th grade and never felt the need to be touched by a white boy. Okay. Man, all this stuff. What, is really, that, all, this stuff what does that mean? It doesn't say a damn thing, man. This is this dude working all this stuff out in his head. And instead of dealing with it on his thoughts, he's putting it on paper, which is fine. That's what art is for. But this doesn't really speak to anybody outside but, people who grew up in that. But what's the point of the elders? I, I don't understand. Like, you just mentioned the elders. I think it's just something cool to say. What's the, it, it, what's the it, point it, of it, all it, of it, man? If you're gonna... <laughs> it, doesn't, she wasn't, it doesn't seem like she was struggling with anything. But, but if the elders told her to stay away from these greasy-haired demon children, then I'm not seeing why she has this big need to be with the white you're trying to, guys and you're trying to, who treats her like... You're trying to make sense out of nonsense, man. You're not going to find it. <laughs> no, none of it makes makes sense as a, as a coherent whole. And then, um, then she adds, till you, you were different, so foreign, un-American, not a demon. So again, like Jay said, British people created the slave trade. Like just because they ended it earlier doesn't make a difference. They innovated it. Like they, um, they, they I, said, I might say created. I don't know if I said that, but I didn't mean created. They weren't the first slavers, but they they refined it. They system. refined it. They, um, they industrialized it. They industrialized yeah. it and maximized it. So um, that was kind of weird. That the fact <laughs> that he's British was supposed to make him, um, and you know, and they and they and they kept colonies for a long time, way after slavery. And colonies are just like you know slavery where you get to lie to yourself and say you're free that's all colonization is like you know uh so they they own like three quarters of the world up until world war ii it wasn't until like you know that that um they some lost would, it so this time would never set on the british empire exactly so they had like um pseudo slavery like forever so that was weird that this british person is supposed to be but i mean that is the mind of a blavity black like you know this, but, this, this but, all, honestly man all this stuff is all over the place and it's all over you know the you, place. You, you you it doesn't even make any sense trying to read go through and read it man because you're not going to get any logic out of it it's just no nothing's cool all this is nothing yeah like i said man all this is is just somebody trying to work through whatever trauma they're dealing with i have ideas about what that is but we'll never know but honestly i just feel like it was a big 
I don't want to say it was a waste of time because I'm I'm of the opinion that no work of art is a waste of time, but I'm not the audience for it. And the audience that is for it, we're not going to see eye to eye. They're just going to keep writing their blogs and they're going to keep doing the think pieces. And it ain't for me. It's not for I don't think I don't see the I don't see the audience being it. But white people are going to love it because it takes them off the hook. Here's one last part. And this is the last. Actually, there's two last parts, but they're shorter. I'm just going to read them real quick. Um, I love the way people would look at us at the movies, out shopping, sitting on our terrace for brunch. There was always an intake of breath and a triple take. A look to you and then to me, then to you again, as though making sure they had to do the calculations on what you look like in contrast to me. Again, none of this explains why she wants to be a nigger whore. Um, twice to just to check their work. Yet, they always seem so pleased with the result. You became this sort of champion and I became Helen of Troy, Beyonce. So beautiful. They have so many ways to tell you that you weren't at all what they were expecting. And our sex was good. It was so good. I remember being nervous, so afraid to see your dick. Again, this fixation on the white dick. All pink and shriveled. A nickel, a naked mole rat swimming in hair is what I imagine. Or like a cucumaria, that weird ocean thing that's like a sea caterpillar. I imagine that, but pink. But your dick, it was perfect. So rigid and right. And we fit nicely. And the sex was good. Very good. Until three years ago. That's when everything got bad. I'm like, okay, this is finally it. We're finally going to figure out why she wants to be the base. And then it just keeps going on more gibberish. Damn, this is just word salad. It's such, it's just, it's just <laughs> word salad. And this is the last part that really made no sense please to let me. This be the remember la- the please earlier let, please part? Please let this be the last part, bro. This is the last part. I promise you. I, I promise I'm, I'm good on the rest. I read it okay. all, but once was enough. <laughs> okay. Remember the part with the elders and, you know, don't don't be with the greasy, wild children and make the elders proud and the mother dressed her up in a uniform, right? So, so she goes, um, after more gibberish, of not explaining anything talking in circles um she goes and baby i realized the elders were watching me they are watching me lay in bed every night with a demon who thinks he's a saint and the elders don't care that you are a demon they lay with them too i have no idea what that means i don't know what what does it mean the elders don't care that they're a demon does that mean that she's happy that she's with the white nah, guy man, and if so that's somebody, trying to, justify somebody. That's somebody <laughs> trying to justify what they're doing man that's all this is but if the elders don't care that she's with a demon then what's her problem what's her problem i i, I don't i don't understand like nothing makes sense what did i, I say about trying to make sense out of this brother ain't no sense to make out of and then they said the elders don't care that you are a demon they lay with them too they just want you to know it and me to know it so I can lie with grace so I can lie with their blessing and if I don't have their blessing and then she kind of trails off so I think she's kind of saying like the elders this is the closest I can come to making sense with it the elders don't care that you're a demon because they lay with them too which means that I guess they're in the afterlife with demonic white people too and their only problem is that they want him to know he's a demon and her to know he's a demon so that she can lie with grace and live with her blessings. So tell me if you agree with this, because this is the closest I can come to getting logic out of out of this. I'm trying to put myself in the realm of insanity. It seems like you're saying that you're demonic. You can't help being demonic because you're white. And I just want you to know you're demonic and me to know you're demonic and act it out. So that way the elders can at, le- it can at least make sense to them. So I guess the elders who live through Jim Crow and slavery, whatever, are like, hey, if you're going to sleep with one of these people or, or live with them, you guys are play acting. We want you to have our experience. Um, You know, we want you to coexist with nah, these demons. Nah, I'm not getting any of that, man. All I'm getting is this is somebody who's trying to feel good about what they're doing and they're trying to j- look grab for any justification they can. 
whether it's the elders or whether it's therapy no, no, or whatever. No, 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 no. I agree with you on that. I'm saying that this is their justification. Like, this is the justification that they're trying to say. Like, I think they just... I think it's as good like as any other. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think, that, I think that it's actually more insulting. I think they're trying to say that the elders want them to slave play. Like, like the elders, their solution... This is what they're saying with the elders, right? They're saying that the elders believe that white people are demons and demonic and can helping demons or as he puts it, viruses. Also, he calls them demons and viruses. They just want you to not have any illusions about it and sleep with them in open open exploitation. And to me, I'm thinking the elders, if they really believe that about white people, then wouldn't they tell you just not to sleep with them? Like, So it's kind of insult to the elders. The elders... Yeah, it's very <laughs> the, the elders okay. are leading you astray. Yeah, it's very insulting. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, the, the elders believe that white people are demons, think that they're exploitative and disgusting, and their solution to it is, we're fine with you sleeping with them, just be with them in a demonic, nah. in a demonic, the elders, demonic way. The elders told you to run north. Yeah, yeah. That would be like me, you know, telling like my kid, you know, when they're an adult, like, listen, your boyfriend or your husband is a cheating, demonic, abusive asshole. And you know what, you know what I'm going to tell you? Are you going to tell me to leave that? No, don't be silly. What I'm going to tell you is stop pretending. Just let him beat you. Just act it out. Like, you know, like, I, w- I would be the worst parent ever. Or the, it could be the mother who was in an abusive relationship. Like, I, I was getting my ass beat. How about you just get your ass <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mother. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, my, my, um, husband beat my ass and when you get a man he's gonna beat your ass too and it's gonna be tradition and we're gonna be proud like you know let's put some ice on it y- yeah yeah it's so fucking weird and, and, yet, and that's basically the last thing I'm gonna read I'm sorry that I actually vicariously traumatize you Turin no it's not vicariously traumatizing it's just so much word salad is not doing me any favors bro do we have to really go through any, any more of this uh, no, do, do you know why I feel it's necessary because I just don't want people to think that this is just us lacking the bandwidth to process some deep uh you know this is for any remaining doubters in the audience who still think that the problem might be um us you know and and yeah yeah and this is the last thing i'll say they had these trauma counselors outside at the end and jay do you want to uh discuss that this will be our final thing to discuss for one there was the um there's this young white lady that was there that that we uh, it's funny t found her and he's like hey what's going on over there let's make our way over there (laughs) and as we're just talking to her oh oh oh, no no explain who she is what her role was because because she was one of the assigned grief counselors yes they they had these grief counselors counselors or trauma counselors who had buttons on and had this sign that said um you know please look for people wearing this button to talk to and process what you saw in the play and this is what was weird to me being that the play was so predominantly white in the audience and being that i don't think it was written for white people i feel like these, these people are really there to talk to the white people you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah what trauma would, would they have gone through and, and it was funny the few white people we've seen there they admitted like hey wait this wasn't traumatizing openly yeah yeah it, 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 like they said trauma but i think what it really was was to just give white people their final bit of processing or decompressing like you know any last lingering uncomfortable or weird feelings that you might have like say you don't totally feel that moral license even after you know that moral license to enjoy this even after um that second act um because the third act you know might make it feel confused again yeah we're here to just give you that final last you know um moral license to um enjoy this so because i wanted uh material for the podcast i'm like you know what i'm gonna go up to the grief counselors and see what they say 
right so i went up to them and that's what i asked him like uh i was like no fuck the other questions uh i went with jay first I tried to eavesdrop on what they were telling the white people and stuff and they were giving them uh handouts and uh, one of them was so what can i do once i recognize my white privilege um that was um one of the handouts and it was an excerpt from something called what is white privilege really by corey collins from teaching tolerance issue 60 right then the next thing was um white supremacy culture that was the next um handout and then there was a third handout so they give them these these little um romper room hand the handouts and stuff and again what's in here is just a bunch of white ally bullshit like you know um how to um be a better ally and and this is one of the things that's in one of these things right listen to this when i saw white supremacy culture on a handout in addition to white privilege i was like oh wait a minute that she said white supremacy that's rare maybe this is going to be one of the few daring things in this whole thing you know because usually this crowd doesn't like seeing white supremacy because they just kind of want a better seat at the table they don't want to actually dismantle the table of white supremacy they usually care more about whether they're getting privileges under white supremacy right um this is a list of characteristics of white supremacy culture which show up in our organizations culture is powerful precisely because it is so present and at the same time so very difficult to name or identify the characteristics listed below are damaging because they are used as norms and standards without being proactively named or chosen by the group they are damaging because they promote white supremacy thinking and this is the last part of the paragraph i'm not gonna read the whole thing they are damaging to both people of color and to white people i was like that sums up this play in a nutshell the idea that white people are as damaged by white supremacy and racism black people you know if not more so you know and i was like wow even this handout's bullshit like like just for that said white supremacy on the top made me think it might be a little more um real but no the handouts were all like um just bullshit white people not having to change anything major except for like a couple of etiquette lessons like yeah. you know like just, just cosmetic changes yeah yeah cosmetic changes like just bullshit so then you know i just started interrogating the the white grief counselor uh i started asking the, the white grief counselor and maybe jay you can remember some of the things i said in case i forget forget anything but i remember i asked her what trained you to be able to counsel people on racism i think she said that she had some kind of like tr training seminar or something yes i'm, I'm actually she looked, she looked very uneasy while talking to her like i know i'm not prepared for this like, who are you, who are you yeah, guys? yeah i don't know if she was uncomfortable because we were black and she's not used to being um uh, approached by black people there was a black grief counselor too i know the black grief counselor was there that she ran interference she yeah 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 she, she came with like running interference and maybe there was one black girl and a couple of white grief counselors i think maybe the one black girl was there to wrangle the few stray dark darkies that uh ventured in you know and and uh i feel like this lady wasn't quite ready to um talk to us and we were like interrogating her i was like um okay who hired you like were you a direct hire? Was there an interview? Like, and she was like, well, you know, I'm part of this consultancy group. There's this guy who runs a consultancy group that does white privilege seminars. I thought in my head, he's a white guy. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, okay. So a white guy runs an organization and he has some people under him. He gets this contract to be, to provide grief counselors who are probably working a gig. It's like gig, gig economy shit. Uh, and, and of course it's not a black person who's, who's running it. Um, and, um, you know, it's a bunch of people who just read like some pamphlets and took like a couple of intersectionality courses and are going to actually like counsel grown people on 
Sutton has been one of a 400 year. Like it, it's just all just a joke. It's just a fucking joke. And and like, I just kept like asking her questions. And the black girl came to run interference because I'm like, you know, uh, I didn't get to find out the name of the company. Like she was getting like kind of uncomfortable. I, and and then um some people started coming over to see what we were talking about. And then um, one that was a black woman with her white friends. And there was this white woman that was just standing there. And I turned to the black woman because she seemed like she had something she wanted to say. And I was like, uh, did you did you enjoy it? And what did she say, Jay? Was she, she was like, I know you said she didn't, but she, she said it traumatized her. She said it effed her up. Yeah, she said she said she said to fucked her up. And, and it, yeah, go on. And it, it put her in a in a bad place. And and I remember you saying something to the effect that did you feel like you came out of that? You said no. Like she's like. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I asked her. I said, and I asked her in front of like the white grief counselor and the black grief counselor who showed up and some people who were around. And I said, do you think it was like a good kind of trauma where it's like uh, you had to go to a dark place or a fucked up place to come out better on the other side? And she looked at me like I was the stupidest person <laughs> on earth. Like, what the fuck are you like, talking hey, nigga, about? <laughs> yeah. And I was so grateful for that look. And I told her right there. I said, you know what? That look you gave me just made me feel sane because. I felt the same way. I was almost starting to become crazy. The fact that I can even ask you that question kind of showed you how crazy I was becoming. Like, you know, that look you gave me, which is the right look, you know, to ask me, like, how the fuck can you ask a black person if anything good came came out of that? And I was like, you know, you made me feel sane. And I feel like she had a look of relief too. I think me asking me that question. Yes. Because she seemed more disturbed prior to that. Yeah. In my opinion. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. She was very disturbed. And then because I was the only one that was not trying to tell her that her experience was invalid because I yeah. felt like I felt like the black group counselor was trying to kind of explain away her trauma and kind of like gaslight her and be like, well, actually, you know, may maybe what you were really thinking was this and, you know, this mm -hmm. and that. And I, I told her, listen, what you felt, I think was the right thing to feel. And if anything, you made me feel more sane because all these white people laughing everybody there it was very weird to me and i am so grateful and i was like and she was like yeah not only did it not put me in a better place it i feel like it just put me in a worse place and just dropped me there with no explanation like it didn't give a fuck and then i could tell the for some reason i thought the black grief counselor was getting the most nervous um uh, because i think she was worried about what the white people were going to think about us black people not liking it like she kept trying to it, it, it to me you know what it felt like because we were initially conversing with the white one it's almost as, as, it, as they were at a table it's almost like she, she was hitting a button underneath the table like she was hitting a button to call over the black reef counselor like a code red code red <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we have darkies uh, also i think a lot of the materials were talking about how white allies are not supposed to talk to black people they're supposed to just listen and yeah. their job is to educate white people so i feel like maybe she wasn't expecting um black people to come to the grief counselor but this was interesting as we, as we kept going on the black woman just started unloading just talking about her therapy and yes, how she's been doing therapy and how after seeing this she's gonna need an emergency session to unpack it and then i was like you know well is your therapist black and she's like no which worries me more because i don't even know if you can understand what i'm feeling right now and we were talking she just kept going on and on and then as she's talking you know i'm listening i look over to the left and there's this white lady this old white lady yeah. who's just looking just greedily soaking it up like a sponge. With beady eyes. Yeah, just very <laughs> quiet. And look, when did you even stand here? And I start thinking, you know what? I'm not going to let this sister just divulge all her 
pain and whatever or trauma for the consumption of this white lady like like it i'm like this this white lady's name contributing to the conversation she just came over to just like 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 it's like a bonus it's like an encore at the end of a concert like oh i get an extra song like oh there's some extra black trauma that wasn't even scripted like you know oh this is raw in the wild black trauma it's not even a, a play let me come over so i, I kind of tried to cut the woman off i'm like i would like to talk to this lady more and like be like a good fellow black person to her and you know talk about this but i'm not going to do it for the consumption of this white lady so i said you know what we're just talking here and you're not saying anything you know uh what are your thoughts um what are you thinking and she just gave the most word salad answer that was about nothing she was like well you know i think there's a lot of um things that happen a lot of dynamics i'm like look that's not what i asked you i said what did you get out of this what did you get and she's and she's kept filibustering and whatever and i said look this lady is that she was traumatized went through all this stuff and you're just kind of giving um this intellectually detached like answer i'm like were you traumatized like they, what did you feel and she just looked at me like the, the most bemused like sociopathic uh, face i would say and she was like oh traumatized no no like it was a comedy to her it wasn't yeah i don't know if you caught this but she seemed more angry about but i don't think we mentioned this that the dustin character was apparently latin that, that could be white passing yeah but she felt like yeah this, that's bs what he was doing like yeah he he doesn't he's not getting off the hook what you were saying you were kind of like staring the direction of of white people having some kind of responsibility for, yeah for for how things are yeah and she was like trying to direct the attention and, and the and, and the 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 anger onto the oh yeah because there was one there was one character the gay white guy he was kind of like off white as in he didn't consider himself white they kind of hinted that he was like white latino or white yes. or or you know like one like a swarthy or spicy white yes yeah and she kind of wanted to talk about him instead and she told us when we asked her what she thought about the play she started talking about how her great grandparent was a slave owner and she went on some some weird some weird website and on the website the website put her in contact it was like a dna website with a black person that her um yeah her great grandparent owned and she's been in correspondence with this person and they met a few times i'm like wait what is any of this have to do with the play i guess you're saying somehow finding out that her parent her her ancestor owned the slave and meeting this person made her want to see the play and it kind of the dark thought it kind of made me have was i feel like there's a lot of there's a there's a lot it's probably a vicarious the, thrill for yes there's a lot in the genetic memory of white people i think um to a certain degree where they feel like they missed out by not being alive during slave times like on one level they kind of recognize it was evil but at the same time wasn't it kind of fun like you know i like like these beautiful black bucks and and bedwinches and jezebels were like my human um sex toys and they've never been able to fully negotiate a way to get that level of unprecedented um sexual access to us again i feel like on some level she was kind of admitting that um exploring the slavery in her and slave owning in her past almost sparked this interest in the themes again i mean we never did fully get why she brought that that up she was she was very cagey yeah she she, she's done this it's not our first dance at the road yeah yeah no but it was the first time being like actually questioned maybe yeah maybe on that yeah yeah because i think white people just used to black people um talking and they like to consume our pain like it's like um you know they they like to consume it and and uh, i think to a degree um, the kind of oppression they had to do had to, had to make them on some level like racially sociopathic to the point that they kind of need to drink our tears to feel 
certain feelings that they, yeah, that they cut off I mean, from yeah, themselves. That's, that's, that's a given, man. This country runs on the misery of people of color and black people. So it only stands to re- it makes sense that she would stand there and soak all that up. She was she was loving it. Yeah, you have to you have to deaden a certain part of your uh, empathy muscles to be able to do what they did for like hundreds of years, and it's like, almost like they have to kind of drink our tears to feel those things because their tear ducts have been like dried up, you know, except for except for the ducts that do crocodile tears. That's, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, but um, yeah, yeah, we got and, and and I and and that's the last thing I have to say. But anything, uh. You have to say, uh, Torin, in in uh, final thoughts, or if you don't have final thoughts, anything that you want to promote. Well, I got a little bit of both. Um, first of all, I want to thank you, brothers, for going to see that play. You saved me some, probably a plane ticket and some brain cells. Um, I do think that it's gonna the audience for this play is gonna make sure it's. Exc- I don't. It's it's not running, right? It's not running anymore, is it? Oh, uh, it's not running, but it's it's in. It's vying for a spot on Broadway proper. It will get it, and there's a good there's a good chance that that it will um, um it will get. Oh, it. I have no doubt it will get it. Um, the people who want it to get it will make sure that happens. Um, I think we need to be a little bit more aware that there are people, black playwrights out there making really good quality material. And I think we have to be vocal about supporting them, even if it's not getting tickets, at least putting the word out on social media or just trying to highlight these people or big them up so they can have a bigger audience, because this can't be it. This cannot be the standard for black plays anymore. And there's too many there's too many people who have bled and spent nights writing and fighting to get their stuff shown to have this happen in my opinion teach his own but this ain't for me i agree yeah 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 i i, I totally agree and and we said black playwrights it totally reminded me of something that i read listen to this this is just this is just a quote from the guy they interviewed the guy uh and this was funny the root did write an article they wrote it um of course i think it came out after we went to see it, um, do you remember the date that we went to see it? Was it the, the second? The second. We saw the second, right? And on the seventh, they finally did do an article about it, you know. And and that lady, that's that lady who had the slave owner um, ancestors, who was like just kind of lurking to just uh, absorb that woman's pain and stuff. Um, she was the same one that asked us if uh, we heard about the play from the root, which was kind of funny, that right? But the root did write, and it was this piece was just purely about caping for a fellow blavity. It was titled Rising Playwright Jeremy O'Harris Addresses Backlash Over Controversial Slave Play. And it pretends that it's an article trying to, uh, you know, be objective and talk about it. But the whole thing is just carrying water for the play and defending it. And, you know, it throws in something about how um, a lot of people who hate it haven't even seen it, whatever and stuff. But then, you know, they they talk to, I mean, the whole thing is just apologia for the play. But then, and this part I thought was really fucked up. They talked to Jeremy O'Harris, the creator, and this is what he says. And I'm not even sure what this means at first. I'm not interested in institutional theater, was what he told Yale faculty members. Actually, let me back up one paragraph to show how they're, they're totally uh, on his nuts and, and caping for him. Suffering no fools, Harris downplays any superlatives that could even be perceived as erasing or forgetting the rich, diverse lineage of black and queer pl- playwrights who came before him. Then they f- have a quote. I'm not interested in institutional theater, was what he told Yale faculty members during his admission interview. He said, I don't want to have a career like August Wilson. I want to do work that challenges the theater in different ways and excites audiences that don't feel like the theater is for them. And
and maybe invites them into the theater and a new way because I want to tell stories differently. And I was like, you have the nerve to fucking shit on August Wilson. Somebody like August Wilson. Anybody who's I've seen this play. That's insane. August Wilson is a fucking incredible writer, and he's he's an incredible black writer. He's an incredible writer, and he wrote plays with nothing but black people in them about. Like I saw like maybe like 15, 20 years ago, a while ago, uh, Jitney on uh, Broadway. That's my first uh, exposure to August Wilson. And it was just incredible. It was just nothing but black people talking to black people, like black people, not even a mention of white people, like no agonizing over what white people thought of them or what they were in the white gaze. Like it was somebody who uh and you have the nerve to and the the level of insight and i love that fences was a movie and because movies are able to be seen by so many more people than um plays are so a lot of people who don't normally go to theater got to see um august wilson and the power of his writing like and fences is just incredible the dialogue and everything and you're gonna say i don't want to have a career like august wilson i want to do work that challenges the theater in different ways like august like, wilson's whole life is challenging the theater yeah the fucking nerve like i think august wilson you know the idea of black people living among loving being around appreciating black people without even caring what white people think about that that challenges the theater and white people way more than this shit about you know tokens agonizing over you know their owners not treating them better it's it's you know what yeah yeah um yeah the, my, the, i first saw the piano lesson of god but 15 some odd years ago it was a, if you ever find it it was a special that they did on cbs with charles dutton and uh alfred woodard and who else was in it the um you remember the old show rock that was on fox that charles dutton was on the guy that played his dad was in it too i remember watching that and i had to be what 18 or 19 and i remember them talking about um going to parchment farm which was the prison farm in alabama and they start doing this work chant and then all the men in the room start um start doing it and you realize these three generations of men have all been in prison in alabama and it's like that little small part of that play does more and connects to me more than anything that we've spent the whole night talking about wood you know what i mean and for somebody to for somebody to disrespect that lineage to disrespect that culture not only is that ignorant and is disrespectful it completely ignores the legacy of amazing black and even black queer playwrights that have blazed the trail like they don't that 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 spits in the face of george wolf that spits in the face of august wilson i mean it's just ridiculous I, I got, yeah, I got nothing. It, it, it's, it's, the less I say yeah, about that, the better I, it is. And and it's like you know, that's what I'm saying. But he just lets white people get into his head. Like that's why even when he's talking about the mentorship at Yale, all he could talk about is how white, white people got out of his way. But they only got out of your way because they already they already pointed you in the direction you're gonna go. Like like I've pointed you in a certain direction, and now I'm gonna say I'm gonna get out of your way. Of course, I'm gonna get out of your way because I've already determined where you're gonna go, and I've filled your head. I've given you the map. You know, it's like, it's like uh, the idea that you could say about August Wilson and that part about uh, excite audiences that, that don't feel like the theater is for them and invites them to the theater. To me, that means like you're kind of talking about like black people, like you're actually going to say black people get more out of this shit than um, August Wilson. Like, you know, people who look and sound and whatever like them, it's, 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 it's weird, it's weird to me. And uh, yeah, that's, that's um, all I got to say about that. And did you already plug your website, Torin? I want to make sure you, um, oh, um, yeah, my website is torinwalker.com. 
Um, I'm also working on a documentary about protests and I have I'm in the beginning stages of working on a book. I don't want to talk about what it's about just yet because it's not quite where I want it yet. But when I do, you'll see. Okay, um, great. And do you have anything you want to end on, Jay? Do you feel like you've gotten your say in? I'm just a random guy that likes to, <laughs> that unfortunately had to watch a reprehensible play. You know what though? That's yeah, gonna give yeah, you but, points but, but, in the in the afterlife, man. That's gonna take points off of whatever purgatory you have to deal with. Yeah, points in the afterlife, like you know, when you're um laying with the demons or whatever. Oh, and man. and 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 like I say, like I don't really into uh, issue automatically or inherently with um interracial relationships as long as you don't use the act of being one as an excuse to shit on black people and as long as you know who you are or whatever but i will say again watching this play and the sheer misery that's depicted i just do not understand really what this guy gets out of them like like i thought i was gonna be watching it and it was gonna be like just like um a bunch of people just loving being in interracial relationships like that that to me was a and Unfortunately, because there's no insight in this play, I don't feel like I walked away with any clearer idea of. I'm, I have more questions than uh, when I started, but I will end it. I will end today with a paragraph from the introduction of this. The introduction is by some guy named Amada M. Firmino, and I looked them up, and they seem like they're either white or maybe um, white Latino, like white ethnic, but they seem white. They're not black. And this person is the dramaturge, which is like, I guess, someone who stages the play and is involved in shaping it, which again is very telling to me that you don't have a black person helping you shape this thing, right? Um, And the final paragraph in this introduction says, is sex work? And if it is, can sex work work towards liberation from the psychological traumas of enslavement? These are the questions at the heart of slave play. An elusive drama about the power of sexual fantasy play, where submission and dominance work in knotted tandem towards bodily transcendence. So the play seems to be saying that this type of acting out of debasement is actually liberation, is bodily transcendence, is it is the work. It sex work is doing uh the work. And that's I think sums it up better than anything. The fact that you can actually write that. You know, that, that this is what gets us free, you know, acting uh this out. And um yeah, that's it. Uh thanks guys for uh joining us. And to the listeners, you know, we hope you appreciate what we've done for you. This was uh, not easy. And I would like to just give a shout out to the people who helped us crowdfund it. Uh, Chet Osman, Ulam P, Herman Arnold, Jason Gordon, Franz Thomas, Josh Block. Your contributions are appreciated. And yeah, that's it. Have a good night, guys. You too. All right. All right.